Welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper Podcast. Public Handicapper is the contest that plays four big races every weekend and gives every player the chance to be a public handicapper. This is show number 17, June 28th, 2019. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, do you have Queen's Plate fever? I'm not sure. I don't know if I quite have the same fever that I would have on Derby Day, but definitely a great card to handicap and some really interesting races that are on public handicapper this week. So I think that will be fun to talk about. Yeah, I've allocated the rest of today and part of tomorrow, today being Friday and part of Saturday, to handicapping the Queen's Plate card because... There's so many good races on there, and we, we didn't play any of the early stakes races on Public Handicapper because it's it's those races are pretty early for for uh, West Coast players. Uh, that's why we only went with the ninth and the tenth. But um, and then also a couple of the other ones aren't quite as competitive. But I'm really looking forward to digging deep into the card. the The only negative is I have a wedding reception to go to right in the middle of the card for three hours. And it's going to be why that's why they have mobile betting apps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll do all my betting ahead of time. The, the, the the question is, you know, how, how bad am I going to feel watching my phone (laughs) while everybody else is reveling in the wedding of a very lovely couple? Yeah, we'll have to start talking about your techniques for doing that as discreetly as possible. Um, so, yeah, on Stephen Foster night, <laughs> I was watching a Shakespeare play, and I I had the iPhone in between my legs, and you know we we're sitting straight up, and I was just kind of peering down at it, and that actually worked out okay. I don't think too many other of the patrons of Shakespeare noticed me seeing those uh, races. But I, I think some of my friends, uh, I know a lot of people that will be at this wedding, and I think some of them will be like, Scott, come on. Really? You still, you got to do that even today? Now, luckily, it's not the wedding itself. It's just the reception that I'm going to. So so that'll that'll give me a little bit more license. You just have to make sure if you start screaming, you have to start screaming in the Shakespearean style, like, go with thee, thy horse, runneth fast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but this is actually, you know, this is just a, a bunch of dudes and dudettes. So, uh, <laughs> so I just be like, dude, go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get to wait, uh, before we'll, we start, I want to congratulate you on your pick last week of Hunter O'Reilly of the Starship Jubilee pattern. That was a really nice hit. 
he hadn't won in like two years, and you were pretty high on him, and he got the job done. That was a great pick. Uh, thanks. Yeah, that was uh, uh, yeah, it was a great pick. It was my only win bet of the day. Uh, it yeah, that it was just a it was a an obvious play for me with that kind of pattern. Interestingly, I saw that it was the race of the week on Thorograph and checked out what they said. And they said, nah, nah, he's not fast enough. And I, I disagree. So, so maybe they should have me do those, uh, those race of the week's analysis. Uh, I, would, I would love to have that opportunity to do that because uh, then people can see exactly what I'm seeing because I know not everybody sees the sheets. Uh, and, and, and look, I'm still wrong one out of six times. I mean, five out of six times. <laughs> so, so it doesn't you know it doesn't mean that I would be right every time. But you know, in in that scenario, that's uh, even using the exact same data. If everybody everybody was looking at the sheets, there's still going to be differences of opinion. Well, definitely, and and that's you know, like any handicapping tool two different people may still have a different interpretation uh, in a given race, which is what makes it fun. Yeah, and actually that, that leads me to this question I want to ask our listeners. What past performances are you looking at when you listen to the pod, uh, if any? I mean, I'm assuming that people are looking at past performances and, then, and checking out uh, angles that we see on the horses. So, uh, so I'm going to throw that question out and and ask you, are you using DRFPPs, Brisnet, uh, Sheets, just to give us an idea of how to frame our observations. So if I know that everybody is looking at DRF, then I can look at the DRFPPs and frame my observations, and we can frame our observations in that context, like certain, uh, certain buyer figure movements, uh, workouts, et cetera. So feel free to tweet us, at CarsoniPH, or and or at Derby1592, or you, if you're not on Twitter, and I, I kind of find it hard to believe many people aren't on it yet, um, but I am. Anyway, if you're still not on Twitter and you want to send an email, send an email to horseplayers at publichandicapper.com. And uh, that will lead us into our first race, it's the Highlander Stakes. It's a grade one for three-year-olds and up on the turf, six furlongs, the ninth race uh, Saturday. And Chris, let's uh, have you started off today. Okay, this is a good race. Um, it doesn't have a lot of early pace for a turf sprint. And at six furlongs, which is actually pretty long for a turf sprint, most of the turf sprints in the U.S., are at five or five and a half furlongs only at um, the downhill course at Santa Anita, which they're not running on anymore. And at New York and Woodbine, typically will you find turf sprints that are more than five or five and a half furlongs. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, Yorkton looks like the obvious speed in the race. Um, he should clear early. Uh, he doesn't win very often. I don't think he's ever beaten this level of competition, but he does hit the board frequently and he should get, you know, a nice easy lead. So I wouldn't exclude him from your exactas or trifectas. Don't think he's going to win, but you never know. Sometimes horses get brave when they get on the lead. 
he should get a good trip, but he wouldn't be my pick to win. Uh, the other horse I think that will get an ideal trip is the one horse extravagant kid. He probably has the second best speed, but his favorite trip is to sit second or third off the lead and then get the jump on the closers. And he's a, a good horse. He's fast, um, drew, drew the rail, should sit that perfect trip. He'll be the one, first one to put pressure on Yorkton. And I think, you know, he at six to one, that's not a bad price on him. Uh, I would probably not talk anybody out of playing that horse if he goes off at six to one i think he's about that right now on public handicapper um so those two i think will get good trips um but i think the horse to play in here is wet your whistle the seven horse who um he's really become a monster his last three starts when they finally settled on letting him do what he likes to do best which is to sprint on either turf or synthetic um and early in his career they're trying him on dirt and trying him long uh but at the end of last year they shipped him to woodbine on the synth and he he won by eight lengths going seven furlongs uh that was at the end of the woodbine meet so they they gave him the winner off and they brought him back in a couple of turf sprints one at Laurel and one at Monmouth against some good competition, some fast horses, and um, he pretty much just destroyed them, both those fields. So, you know, he's pretty much crushed the competition in his, his last three starts since they moved him back to Simpson Turf Sprinting. Now he tries a little tougher company, but not much. There are horses like Vision Perfect and and some speed balls like Rocket Heat and Bold Thunder that he was running against in, at Monmouth and Laurel. So he's seen some fast horses. Um, he can get to six for a long distance. He's just razor sharp and, you know, could still have upside now that he's sort of in his sweet spot. Um, he's 10 to 1 on the morning line, um, 12 to 1 on public handicapper. Uh, you know, to me, he's a no-brainer. Uh, the two favorites are legitimate in here, too, but I think the value play is wet your whistle. Okay, well, <laughs> you have wet my whistle for this, uh, this race, and you've already said a lot of the things that I was going to say about wet your whistle. Um, he is my pick in this race. You're right, he has been a monster in his last three races. Uh, he had all kinds of issues in his first races. He went two turns on turf. He went. He, had, he was rank when he was on turf sprinting. He was uh, on dirt racing. So, so he's turned the corner. He's already proven that he can win at Woodbine. And he's just run two monster races. And even more notably, since then, he has run even faster bullet workouts. So I think he's a, a slam dunk pick in this race. I like him a ton. I don't think he's going to be 10 to 1. I think that uh, there are people, enough people will be looking at speed figures that say that this horse is just about the fastest horse in the race. And in fact, is the fastest horse in the race. So I think it'll end out getting bet and maybe we'll be lucky to get eight to one. But if we get the 10 to one, 
you know, increase your bet, right? <laughs> Start sending it in because he looks great. Uh, the other horse that I'm interested in, there's just a couple of price horses that you should consider. Is uh, One is Tricks to Do, who's always been fast, ran fast as a two-year-old, and ran, recently ran his best race ever two races ago. Uh, great trainer, trainer who's two for seven lifetime at uh, Woodbine, Arnold uh, Delacour, Arnaud Delacour. So I would use, if, if I'm flying the pick five, I would absolutely use the horse because I think it's got a great shot to win at a price. And then who did I like? The other one I was interested in, Super Smart, is a Mark Cassie horse who was relatively fast as a two-year-old and, and then improved as a three-year-old, but then just ran a really big race in an off-the-turf race at Woodbine. Uh, the speed fig puts him right there. The only question is, can he do it on turf? And I think at 10 to 1 or higher, you say, yeah, he might be able to um, because he's been working out great. He's only had one turf race where he didn't do anything, but that was his very first race. And Mark Cassie has a way of once his four-year-olds start getting good, he keeps them good for a while. And uh, a, a perfect example of that is Teppen back in the day. She didn't really get good until she was a young four-year-old, and then she just kept on improving. So, so those are my three horses that I'm interested in, but my, my top pick absolutely goes to Wet Your Whistle. I just wanted to add a couple things. Um, I'm not as high on the, the Cassie horse, but tricks to do, like you said, the trainer, you always have to pay attention to the horse's that he sends out and he has done well at Woodbine. But this horse has some real talent. I mean, it won a stakes race at Tampa as a two-year-old by seven lengths. Um, and it just didn't ever really, it kind of um, never had a long layoff as a three-year-old and it came back and it hasn't ever really run much faster than it did as a two-year-old, but it could be ready to break through. It's a kind of horse that just with normal development should have run faster by now. Uh, there may be some physical problem that's preventing it from, or just might have been an early developer, but if, if there is that potential for a big jump um, from this horse based on his two-year-old form now that he's a four-year-old. So it did seem like he's probably in its best form of its life right now, and uh that horse is the one who could, you know, really jump up and run a big race in here. So that that's the other long shot I like, but you know, definitely wet your whistle, I think, is is a better play um, at a similar price. Yeah, I, I just thinking about it right now, knowing how tough the rest of the sequence is, if I'm in the pick five, uh, I'm probably just gonna use tricks to do and wet your whistle. And leave it at that. Well, All that right. would be one way. If either one wins, that will definitely um, be very good in terms of the, the value of any parlay wagers you're making in that sequence. Yes. Uh, and, and one thing we should note, uh, I'm going to point this out because I've seen it so many times and I never let myself do this anymore. But when you uh, use a horse that's a price in the pick five or the pick four or the pick three, 
and it wins at 20 to one, you're like, woohoo, yeah. And then, and then you get knocked out later in the sequence. You don't ever want to have that 20 to one and not get some kind of payoff. So if Tricks to Do does go off at 20 to one and Wet Your Whistle goes off at 10 to one, I will also have win money on those horses because you, you just, you don't want to be right and get nothing for your efforts. So at least bet enough to win on uh, any bomb that you use, you know, unless it's highly speculative. Um, and, and make sure you can at least cover your pick five wager. So if you know you're gonna put 200 bucks into the pick five and you've got a 10 to one horse, then put 20 to win on the 10 to one so that at least you have that and you've cashed on that good opinion. And then the, the rest of the pick five will be gravy. Oh, yeah, I second that. Always, I would always play, if you have a horse you really like, your key horse in a race, that's a good value as a win bet. Even if you're playing the pick four, pick five, or whatever, make sure you put some money on that horse because, um, you know, you want to get paid for your, your opinion. And it's hard to hit, you know, a pick four or pick five. Um, so, you know, don't make your whole day hinge on just that one wager. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to the marquee event of the day. It's the Queen's Plate, a mile and a quarter on synthetic. It's for three-year-olds fold in Canada. Uh, the 10th race at Woodbine. Uh, probably already said that. And I will start it off because I, I know you like to alternate. So, so I'm going to go with a little bit of a price play in here. It's He's a Macho Man, who's the seven, I believe. He's the eight. He's a macho man. Uh, it's 15 to one morning line. He's two for two on the synthetic. He has really nice distance breeding. Uh, his father won the Breeders' Cup Classic. His grand dam, his dam sire, won the Belmont Stakes and is a, a major turf influence. Turf's, I'm assuming, synth as well. Uh, he's the other Josie Carroll, who also trains the favorite, Aves Flatter. Uh, you know, he's two for two on the synth. Forget the one dirt race. He improved a little bit from his two-year-old best to his three-year-old best. He's had six weeks rest. He worked out faster in between since that last race than he's ever worked out before. I think he's a good price play, and he'll absolutely be my pick on public handicapper. Um, the, the one negative i'll say is that his jockey luis Contreras, gets off him to ride tone broke and i'm not sure i figure well if he felt like he was on a queen's plate winner he wouldn't have gotten off that horse and tone broke has never won never run on synth so it's kind of speculative to to think that he might uh take to it so that's the that's the caveat there but he's going to be my play and Without talking about any other horses, I'm going to turn it to you so that um, I'll turn it to you. Okay, great. I, um, I'm i with you on he's a macho man for all the, the, the reasons that you mentioned. He has a lot of upside, and he's definitely bred to get the mile and a quarter distance. So um, in a 15 to 1 morning line, I'm seeing what he is on TH. He's 8 to 1. It's a little bit surprising, but 
certainly he um, is a horse and I'm very interested in this race. It's interesting though, probably my top pick is the other horse you mentioned, Tone Broke. Um, it is interesting that Contreras would take off, you know, a trainer who, and he's a, he's a local rider and that's a local trainer and who he can probably ride for quite a bit to get on the Asmussen shipper Tone Broke who, um, like you said, is making his first start in synth. But that's the reason I really like him, because you know, he's another that's really bred to go long. Um, but not only is he bred to go long, he's bred to run on synth or turf. So he's actually going to make his first start you know, at a really long distance. Um, and his first start on synth, and this is, I think, is what he was made to do. Um, uh, Broken Val this is his sire, and Smart Strike is the grandstand or grandsire or the broodmare sire. Um, and you know, he he ran a couple real clunkers at Dubai. I'm not sure why they shipped him to Dubai and ran him twice, but he didn't run a, a jump either one. But once they brought him back to the states, he ran a really nice race his last out. Um, and he has a really fast work uh, for an Asmussen horse, especially um, since then. So, you know, I think, and if he runs back to what he ran on the dirt or improves going longer on scent, which I think he can. Um, and like you said, Contreras uh, actually took off another horse to ride this horse. You know, I think he looks really, really live in here. My biggest concern is the 11 post and a 14, you know, horse field. Um, and the dirt track at Woodbine's a little different because it's the inner track as opposed to, you know, all the other North American tracks, the, the, the dirt is the outer track. So, I mean, I do think post position matters. Uh, so that's my big concern with him. But I, you know, I like Tone Broke in here. He's eight to one on public handicapper right now as well. Um, so those are the two I like. The other one I like in here is um, the rail horse, the filly, because she gets the rail. She gets in light because she, uh, she gets five pounds from the field because she's a filly. Um, so going a mile and a quarter around two turns, getting the rail and getting five pounds off, that's probably worth three or four lengths. Um, uh, against everybody else in here, um, which and she, you know, kind of freaked in her first start when they shipped her to Woodbine and ran her on the scent. So, um, you know, she definitely is a live player, and she's eight to one. So, on public handicapper, so those three are probably um, the the price horses I like. Um, and of the favorites, the one I think is you have to respect the most would be the 10-horse Skywire. So those are the, the four horses I'm probably um, most interested in, with Tone Broke probably being the key. And then probably the filly on the rail would be the other horse um, that I might play to win. All right. Well, I agree with you on the one desert ride. Uh, has improved every single race and ran that big race on synth. Eight to one, I mean, and on the inside, uh, I, I like her. I mean, I like her a lot. And 
in the pick five, I would absolutely use Desert Ride. Um, other horses that I'm interested in, I agree with you on Skywire. I think AB's Flatter you know, is not fast enough to deserve favorit favoritism, especially from the outside. But I think that horse is certainly a contender, and I also think that One Bad Boy is a contender. I don't know what to do with Tone Broke. You know, it's 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 tricky. He's not going to be eight to one. He's going to be higher than eight to one. So, but one way, of, one thing you have to do is wait until you see the actual odds on the race. But then, you know, the one question is, should he be included in the pick five, Tonebroke? And one way to get a sense of how they're going to bet the horse is by looking at the daily double will pays going into the ninth before you put in your pick five play or pick whatever play. Uh, you can take a look at those doubles and see if Tonebroke is getting significant play. Uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing in this sequence if it's getting significant play, but you know, significant play means it, it's it's well meant, but uh, non-significant play could just mean value. So, uh, so I'm not sure what I'll do with that horse. Um, he probably won't be in my top three. I'm just going to let it roll with he's a macho man. And I'd probably also use Desert Ride and Skywire in the pick five. I think we're on the same horses, but I would definitely, if you're playing, uh, you know, pick fours, fives, pick threes, daily doubles, I would, uh, I wouldn't leave Tone Broke out. Um, just the horse really is meant for this kind of race. So I don't know. He may not run, but I think he dirt certainly has potential to win, um, uh, off his, you know, last race and his breeding and his recent workout and yeah. the connections. I mean, six to one, his six to one morning line, he's eight to one pH. So maybe, you know, the the, lot, the morning line odds maker knows more about uh, that trainer jockey combo, which supposedly was uh, the, the jockey was Steve Asmussen's go to rider when he had a string at Woodbine. I read that on DRF. But I, I think at six to one, that's a horse I don't include. At, at, at all uh you know the breed breeding is one thing but actually running proving in a race of this caliber that mm, you're qualified i think i make it prove make them prove it at six to one in the 14 horse field uh, but we'll, let's we'll, let, they'll run the race and we'll see what happens yeah at six to one i don't know if i'd make him a win bet but i still I would definitely use him if I was playing pick fours and pick fives. I think he'll go off higher than six to one. To me, the two underlays in here are Abe's flatter, who's not that fast and stuck on the extreme outside. I just don't see how that horse isn't going to give up substantial ground. And already it's giving, it's not as fast as several other horses. So to me at five to two favorite, that's the horse you play against. And even one bad boy, you know, is not that fast. I think he's more likely to get a good trip. So of the two, I, I would favor one bad boy, but um, those two to me are the big underlays in here. Um, of course, you know, Tone broke at six or eight to one. I think it's more likely to win than those two. And, um, you know, he's gonna be substantially higher. So Avi's flatter is the horse I think you play against in here at that outside post, because, you know, a favorite who's not that fast 
that's in the 14 hole and a 14 horse field going two turns. And that's the kind you're just supposed to play against. I mean, right, it could that, beat you. Yeah, that's called an opportunity. <laughs> uh, so, all right, well, let's uh, let's move on then to the 12th race, which is um, it's a mile on the new inner turf course. And I'm really happy that they have an inner turf course now because it just means they'll be able to card more turf races. And uh, I, I'm not sure why they really needed another one, but I'm glad they have it because the more turf, the merrier. Um, it's a mile on the inner turf. It's an allowance for 67,000. It's three-year-olds and up. Uh, there's a bunch of conditions there, but ultimately you just want to bet the fastest horse. What do you think in this race, Chris? Well, I think you can always use another turf course, right? So um, I'm glad they got it. Uh, this is a wide open race. And I mean, we say that a lot, but this one is a really wide open race. Um, uh, we could talk about every horse. So I'll, I'll focus in a couple so I don't steal all your thunder. I'll start with the one I like the most. Uh, not by a whole lot, but I, I think it has as good a chance or better than anybody else. And it's a really big price in the morning line. And that's the seven horse Piper's Warrior, who's 20 to one in the morning line. Um, and I think, you know, fits really well on this race. Um, the reason I like the horse or the, you know, the main reasons I like the horse are, first of all, um, it was pretty fast as a two-year-old. It had some problem come when it first came back as a three-year-old, and they had it never really got back to its two-year-old numbers. Had a, some trouble trips. They had to give it the summer off, and it came back in the fall, and it and it kind of got back to where it was as a two-year-old, and then the meet was over. This is one of the local horses at Woodbine. Um, Woodbine, I think, runs through April through December. But there's a large horse population at Woodbine that they don't run anywhere else. So they all take the winter off and they come back every year. And that's what's kind of cool about the Woodbine meet. When we get to this race here, that's not a stakes race where it's not a bunch of shippers. It's just the local horses. Um, this is a great time of year to be playing those races because you're getting lots of great layoff patterns. Either horses coming off the bench after taking the winter off or they've had one or two starts. So you can look for patterns and, and trainer stats and things and find some good plays, um, you know, based on those layoff patterns. And this horse here um, is coming in off the layoff, but has really good workouts. And I think, you know, could fire right off the bench. Um, its best race last year was off the layoff when they took the winter or took the summer off and it has a lot of upside and its number that it ran last year is good enough to win this race and with any improvement um, definitely it's good enough to win this race and it has a new trainer and this new trainer has sent out three horses um, and they've all run pretty well so far this meet. So she's sending them out ready to run. So I think if this horse is good, ready to run, uh, it could win this race. And it's 20 to 1 on the morning line. Um, let me check to see what it is on public handicapper. It's 32 to 1 on public handicapper. 
Um, so I'm not saying it's a mortal lock or anything like that, but there's no reason why this horse couldn't win. Um, it's working well. The trainer's sending them out ready. Its best effort is already good enough to win, and it's probably the one most likely to actually improve off that. Um, there's a couple other similar horses that I can talk to after I turn it over to you and give you a chance to weigh in. But to me, that horse really live long shot in a wide open race. Well, I don't really even have to comment on this race now because you stole my pick. <laughs> so, uh, sorry about that. Sorry that's about that. the second Boy, one. We're right on the same page. That's the second one today. today. Second one today. The only thing I'll add about uh, this horse, I have a formulator trainer pattern that I I access probably the most of any other trainer pattern, and that is how does a trainer do with four-year-olds and up, 180 days or more off on that surface? So like there's a turf one and there's a, a non-turf. There's, a, you know, the, I, I change it. I actually have one pattern in which I change. If it's a dirt race, I switch it to dirt. If it's a turf race, I switch it to turf. And just while you were talking, because I didn't have time to look that up for this trainer, I looked it up and two races off 180 day layoffs, one first at seven to two and one second by a neck at six to one. So everything is saying you got to bet this horse. It's, you know, it's every, everything. I, I mean, I, I agree. And it's, you know, it's going to be a huge price. So, so I'm with that, with you on that one. The other horse that I'm kind of interested in, who I would definitely use in the pick N uh, sequence is the two silent Jimmy. And a question came up in my mind is the trainer of silent Jimmy, whose name is Paul Buttigieg. Is he related to mayor Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg? I, I'm still not sure how to pronounce the name. Who's uh, running for president. I, I don't know if they're related, but I I've never seen that name anywhere except for those two people. Regardless of whether he's related, he has run fast enough to win this race a few times. He won his fourth race off a layoff last year on the turf, and this is his fourth off a layoff. His last was on good turf at a distance that is a longer than this, but I have to think it was just a race over the track on a good turf course where he was only four to one. And you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna sneak one in there, don't sneak it in at four to one. Have a prep at four to one. I feel like he, they prepped him in that race. And I haven't watched the race yet, so I don't know if there's any kind of excuse that didn't make the chart. But um, today he's going to be a much higher price. He's got a good post. He's at a distance where he's won both his turf races. So he's two for eight. His, his, his only exact finishes, of which there are three, came at this distance. So you know, he's already fast enough to win. And if I put my thumb over that last race, it really looks like a, a big third race off the layoff play. And with uh, the jo a jockey who doesn't, uh, some people don't like, and I've, I've seen this on Twitter, I actually like betting jockeys that other people don't like because it makes the price much higher. So, so that's the other horse that I'm interested in in this race. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, 
I don't think there's a lot of upside with that horse. It's run a lot, but like you said, I it's run some uh, it's turf routes. It's three best races are all turf routes. Um, and that last race was its first route of the year. So this is its second route of the year. It might have needed that, you know, just to get fit. So another that's another live price horse. I, you know, I agree with you on that one. Um, I'll toss out a couple other, um, I think, live prices in here because it is a wide open race. You can make a case for quite a few. Uh, one is the three horse Western Crusader. I always look for upside. Um, this horse started with Grand Motion. Uh, it had a, one really good race last year, and then it, it just um, kind of fell apart. Something went wrong. Uh, it had time off. It changed barns, uh, was gelded. It's by English Channel out of Deputy Minister um, Mayor, so it's bred to route on turf. Uh, I don't usually like to see a horse go from Graham Motion to Gail Cox. So Gail Cox is, has good numbers as a trainer. I don't follow Woodbine real closely, but I mean, she's not Graham Motion, but I think she can train, and the horse came back with a pretty good race off the bench. Probably needed that off the layoff, um, and plus, given the kind of horse it is, it's, it's kind of horse that probably isn't going to be a hard, fast, working horse. He's more of a router on the turf. Now go second start off a layoff. You know, could run a really big race in here. We always talk about second off a layoff, four-year-old, lightly raced horse. You know, had a, a pretty good race as a, a three-year-old that it, it could improve on. Drew a good post. Gets kind of the popular bug boy um, and has speed in a race, you know, that's not jam-packed full of speed. So I would expect the rider to go to the lead, get the rail, and see if the horse can't go all the way gate to wire. And if it's a reasonable pace and the horse breaks alertly, um, it just might do that. Or, you know, even if it doesn't get the lead, if it's tracking another horse and it's ready to run, I think it'll get a pretty good trip. Um, so, you know, that one's pretty live, I thought. Um, uh, I'll toss it back to you because you probably have another horse or two you want to talk to, uh, talk about. Well, I'll just add a few things about Western Crusader, who I was looking up while you were talking about it. Uh, the trainer has a 205 ROI on a $2 bet lifetime at Woodbine. So, so she can win at Woodbine. In fact, if you bet every single one of the horses that ever raced there of hers, you're up. So that's the first thing. The other thing is uh, second off a layoff, she is hitting at 17% with a 316 ROI. So that's another really positive development. And uh, the third thing I'll add is that this horse gets five pounds weight break by using the bug uh, Kazushi Kimura. And I always like to see that. So that's just another advantage. Um, I, I, I like this horse. Uh, you, you know, I, ha I like, I sort of had positive things about it, but you've, you've really opened my eyes. And uh, now I think, <laughs> I think the horse is a kind of a must use. Uh, there's one other pattern that I, I uh, want to look up and it's second off a layoff. 
I, I like to look up second off a layoff, uh, dirt to turf. Um, but, you know, I'll look that up while you add if there's any other horses in here. Uh, let me know who else who, who else you might like in this race. Okay, the there were two others I was looking at. Those, those are my top two. Um, these two, I think, are ones I would put in, you know, underneath or include, you know, in the verticals. Because I think this is the kind of race where you can make some money in the vertical plays. And those two horses we mentioned are both big prices. You know, so the exactas and trifectas and superfectas could really pay big in this big field. Uh, I kind of like the one horse. This is sort of the opposite. It's not an upset horse. It's a seven-year-old. It doesn't have any upside. But um, the horse last year's best race was first off the layoff. It switches barns to a, a trainer who, off the layoff, he's five for five in the money off a similar layoff. Uh, he had one winner in those five. That was 20 to one. So he tends to send them out ready. Um, and this horse has run, ran well off the layoff last year. So, you know, to me, it could fire right off the bench. And it's another long shot. Um, and it draws the rail which is always a good thing in a big field. Um, so, you know, that to me is a horse that could certainly hit the board at a, at a, a price. And then the other one I, I was considering was the 10 horse tricky magician. That horse is, is a little bit different kind of horse. I mean, it's kind of the opposite. It's all, it's a three-year-old making its first start. Um, of the year for Cassie. It was gelded since its last race. Um, it's pretty well bred by it's kind of European breeding magician. I have a European mare. Um, but uh, that horse could certainly fire first off the layoff. Um, you know, and he has upside as a three year old making his first start. And he, uh, it's a, actually, since he's a three-year-old, he gets in light. Um, and, you know, having just been gelded, getting the weight off, um, you know, that horse might run. And it's another horse with speed. Um, so I'm guessing, you know, they'll probably send that horse too. So it, either Western Crusader or Tricky Magician, one of those gets the lead, the other one tracks you know, they both could be dangerous in here. So those are the ones I'm probably the most interested in. I think the favorite you just play against, it's nothing special at that piece of a cotty, the eight horse. You know, if that horse goes off as the favorite, I would just leave it out. It's, not, it's no more likely to win than anybody else. Um, and so you try to beat that horse in here. Okay. I, I did look up Western Crusader. I, I just wanted to see this pattern. Sometimes I see very notable things in, in oddball patterns. And the pattern I looked at was synthetic to turf, second off a layoff. And the trainer, Gail Cox, is one for 10 with that move in one second. So not a particular, every once in a while I see something like that. I see like a, you know, for a sprint to route synthetic to turf off a layoff and and the trainer's hitting it five of seven so so sometimes it's compelling it's it's not compelling here but it's okay uh, the horse that won was eight to one so an, another reason to include western crusader and i would also say i agree with you on tricky magician who's also an include 
And when we talk about pick five strategies, we'll, uh, we'll address all the, uh, all the horses that we feel like we have to include in this race. So we'll go to the all last right. race. <laughs> Sorry, we, we, haven't, we haven't established enough rhythm to know when we need to put in a word. But uh, we'll go to the 13th race at Woodbine. It's an allowance optional claiming. Six and a half furlongs on turf for fillies and mares, three, year olds, three years old. I have this as a super tough race. I, there's a lot of patterns, trainer patterns I have to look up. So, so I haven't done all the work on this race. I reserve the right to change this pick. But my initial read of it was that Miss Savvy... Uh, was uh, the horse to play here on public handicapper at 15 to one. She just ran close to her uh, three-year-old top as a four-year-old. So she's second off a layoff. She's just as good on, this is a synthetic race. She's just as good on on turf as synthetic. Uh, She's got slightly faster works than ever before, before and after her last race. So without I haven't gone any deeper into the race. There's a lot of contenders. I have a lot of asterisks by horse names. Uh, but that horse at 15-1, that's the one that interests me the most. Yeah, I like that horse. Um, that's definitely one I would include. Um, probably the horse, this is a, another tough race. The horse I like the most in here is the five horse, Will She who I think is clearly the lone speed in the race. Um, She should be able to clear early and set her own pace, which really helps in a big field um, and sprinting. And, uh, you know, she's fast enough to win this race. She's run well off the layoff before. Um, And, you know, anytime I can get a horse that can be lone on the lead, um, I'm really interested in it. And, you know, at 20 to one on the morning line, let me see what she is on pH 41 to one on pH. Oh my God. Um, you know, to me, that horse is really live. Cause one thing I've learned is you can make money playing horses off layoffs. There are just people, horse players who just refuse to bet a horse off a layoff. Um, uh, and they're, you know, sometimes they, you know, they need a race. Sometimes they don't. This horse's best race last year was right off the bench. And, um, you know, the horse is going to get an easy lead in here, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, last year she did that. She got ended up losing by half a length, at, but um, still ran a really good race. Uh, so, you know, this year there's no reason why she might not be able to run a similar race maybe be a little bit better because she's a five-year-old now. Um, so, uh, and in fact, her, her best race of her career was as a three-year-old. So, um, you know, she's certainly live in here. I think she should get the lead, save ground and just might go wire to wire. Uh, that's a really interesting observation. And I'm going to add for people who might not have sat near you at a contest, this is the kind of horse that, Nobody is, you know, like the horse is doing something and the, the, nobody's yelling. And then, and the horse is either gaining or in this case, it'll be on the lead. Chris will start saying, come on, come on, come on. And he'll have this 
20 to 1, and it's because of observations like this. Uh, you're right. A lot of people will never play the layoff. And you, when when you said, I like kind of like this will she, I was saying, in my head, I was saying, that, isn't that the favorite? Isn't that 3 to 1 or 4 to 1 favorite? And I was shocked when I saw that it was actually 20 to 1. So, so I looked up the pattern while you were talking, uh, the old four-year-old and older 180-day off on the turf. The trainer is only one for 14, but he has two seconds and three-thirds off that angle. So that makes him six for 14 in the money. And at 20 to 1, this is a horse you want to bet. You want to include for sure. And uh, the one win that he had off the layoff was a six furlong turf race with the same jockey, Jesse Campbell. Yeah. Um, also, sorry, I was on the mute, mute button. Um, and plus Campbell is real familiar with this horse. I'm, all the horses wins, you know, he was aboard for all the winning rides. And last year he didn't ride the horse. Um, and as a three-year-old and a two-year-old, he rode it and won some races. So he's back aboard, which I think might be significant. Um, I'm not sure why he didn't ride the horse last year, but because um, it's the same trainer. So having him back aboard, he certainly knows the horse and he's won on the horse before. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's a great value play. I will say that there's something to like about every horse in this race. So it's a really tough race. But we have our picks for public handicapper. How how would you, if you're tackling this pick five, Chris, What how would you approach it? I would probably say all kinds of prayers to the racing gods because the chances of hitting this pick five are pretty slim just given the, the number of combinations that are in play. I mean, there's like a quarter of a million possible combinations across these five big fields in a pick five. So... I wouldn't put a lot of money in this race because I just don't have, you know, races where I can lean on one or two horses and with any confidence. Uh, so if I were playing it, I would just try and be, you know, bet a little to win a lot kind of thing. Um, I would be skinny in most of the legs. Um, it is a 20 cent. It's actually even less than 20 cents. I think that's 20 cents Canadian. Um, so you can, you make some reasonable amount of combinations for a small dollar amount. But to me, this is a race where my style is more to find the races, my live long shots and be betting them in the verticals and hoping I can hit one or two of the races in that sequence with long shots and make a big payout for the day, as opposed to trying to get all five races, right? Um, so I, I probably didn't answer your question, yeah. but that's, well, that's the way I'd approach it. I will, uh, I'll add my two cents. Uh, as I was telling Chris before we went live, I would figure out exactly how much money you could afford to lose, play the pick five, and kiss it goodbye because you're unlikely to hit this race. Now, <laughs> the, the one caveat I will say is if you really love any horses in the sequence, then it might be hittable. And, uh, you know, I have one rule it, it, it steads me pretty well. If I have any race where I think that I need, if every race I need at least three contenders, then I shouldn't be playing the race. I shouldn't be playing the pick four, pick five. Uh, if you 
if you can't narrow it down to two horses in at least one race, then just don't make the bet because not only, you know, not only will you be spending a lot of money going at least three deep, but it means you just don't have a strong opinion and you're probably going to lose anyway. And, and, and that's from experience. Uh, it, I don't know if it's ever happened that I've actually hit a pick five where I had three deep in every minimum three deep in every leg. Um, but let's say, for example, you love, um, let's say you love Caribou Club in the first race of the sequence, the ninth race, and you're like, hey, I am singling that horse. Well, okay, and, and and I don't think that's a good bet at all. But but if you do love a horse and you can single, and maybe in another race you can only go uh, two or three deep, then it might be worth putting a you know a little bit of cash to work because because anything can happen in so many of these races with so many horses uh i would just you know i would caution anybody who's playing it to to go deep in the 12th and 13th and probably the 11th as well the 11th we haven't even talked about that's a maiden race um you know so if you have a strong opinion, and in the races you don't have a strong opinion, go deep. I, I think that's playable, but always for uh, uh, an amount that you can afford to lose. Yeah, so let me – I'll talk a little bit more in general on the pick five. So one thing, you mentioned the Caribou Club in the first leg. That's a seven to five favorite. Probably will be odds on or could be odds on. Well, um, I, I actually – I disagree with that morning line. I mean – I don't see how that horse goes off at seven to five with, uh, you know, with the, that, the competition that's in there, but, but whatever, that's a different discussion. Okay. So just assume he's a heavy favorite. Um, pretend like a pick a different horse, pick another race, a theoretical race, but you have a heavy favorite in that first leg. I really like to play against that. Cause lots of people single that, um, horse in that first leg. And then if they lose, they'll play the pick four, I just usually that heavy favorite in the first leg, everyone knows it's a heavy favorite and it gets way over bet. So you have value if you can beat that horse. So, you know, I like to lead, if I can, I like to, tr if I think that's a vulnerable favorite, then I'm more interested in that pick five because you get value, a lot of value right on the first leg. So that's one thing I like to, if you can find a, a vulnerable favorite in the first leg, you know, always helps in any of them, but that first one, tends to get overbet a little more than the other legs of the yeah. pick five. And, and I'll just add, if you have any sequence where there's a horse that's a heavy favorite or you, you know is going to be a heavy favorite, let's say it's a Chad at Belmont, and you're, you really don't like that horse, and the, horse you, the one horse that you want to single is four to one or higher, then that's a great play because you're singling on a four to one. You're not singling on a seven to five, like so many other people are going to be doing, then it's worth, uh, you know, investing a little bit more time into the deeper legs. Yeah, I agree. And if you are going to include an, I mean, if you're going to play the pick five and there's a Chad Brown, that's going to be four to five. The worst thing to do is to spread in that race, either just take the Chad Brown or play against it, but don't, spread and include that horse because you're just throwing money away when you do that you know you have to decide are you can you beat the chad brown then beat him if you can't then um you know just take it but if you try to do both you're just 
long run, that's just a terrible way to play it. I and mean, it might work out in a particular, you know, pick five, but that's just not the way to play. You know, those heavy favorites, you have to either play them or play against them. You don't want to do both. That's just a bad way to bet. Yeah, I agree um, with that. Absolutely. So just a, a visual thing. I just spent a minute on this. This may or may not help people. But to me, for like a pick five or pick four, you envision a tree and you, you look at a tree, it has branches and the branches have branches and those branches have branches. So when you're playing the pick five, that first leg is that there's 10 horses, there's 10 branches. And then the second leg, each of those branches, say there's 10 more horses have 10 branches and so on all through every leg. And what you're trying to do when you're doing your pick five is you're trying to prune away branches and so that you can reduce the cost of your ticket. And so you're trying to cut. So if you, like you, you gave the example, if you have three horses in every race, there's a lot of branches left on that tree because you have three on every single branch. You have three left over and those three lead to three more and it explodes out. But when you can get it down to one or two, you really cut, you know, the number of branches down. You've really pruned away a lot of combinations. So, you know, that's, you got to think about that, um, you know, kind of visualize what's happening um, when you're doing these selections. And that's why it's so powerful. If you can, you know, reduce a race down to one horse, you, then you're pruning away nine of the 10 branches are gone. And only what's left on that one branch um, is there. And that's why you want to try to find a couple of places where you have a strong opinion and you can narrow it down to one or maybe two horses, because that's the only way you can really reduce the price of the ticket and get some value. And the other kind of visualization of that would be the the size of those branches. You know, the, the most likely winners are thicker branches than the, the horses that are unlikely to win. Or even a better way to look at the horses that are good value are thicker than the ones that are underlays um, and bad value. And so when you're done pruning away, you want to have a small number of branches, but hopefully some of them are pretty thick. So that when that the winds of chance blow through that pick five tree, you'll have a few you know leaves left on the on your branches and you can cash. So just think about that. Every time you eliminate a horse, you're pruning away a branch. And if you can narrow it down within a race, you're really pruning away a lot of combinations and making that ticket affordable and, and really increasing the value if you do win. So that's yeah. just one way to kind of visualize things. Yeah. And I, I think that if you were able to visualize that tree, it would, and actually, you know, completely visualize it based on the bet, it would be one but ugly tree, but the payoff could be very sweet. So. Yeah, for sure. And there actually are some ways you can, you can, you can actually present that data, I think would be kind of neat if some of the the tote wagering systems would kind of show you what your wager looks like so you could see you know how what that looks like it that would be interesting thing um maybe that's something i'll try to do um that's a reason to learn data visualization which uh, is is a cool concept and sometimes people overdo it uh but it's uh if you can if you can come up with a data visualization that uh that works for the wager then that could be kind of a breakthrough that everybody else would use. Um, all right. So we didn't talk about the 11th race. Should we throw out some horses that are, did you look at the 11th? 
Uh, yeah, I did. I actually thought it was a really interesting race. Um, so I don't know if you want to spend any time on that, but I do have a few opinions in that race for sure. Well, I think uh, I think based on the Twitter feedback that we've been getting, that uh, people will want us to throw out a few horses there. So, all right, uh, just for their consideration. So let's take a look at the eleventh race. Uh, horses that were interesting to me. Uh, I have to look it up because I didn't really. Okay, I, I can start because I have okay. a couple right off the bat. Um, all right. One horse I really liked was Baby Driver, the 11 horse. First of all, it's a good movie. If you want to watch a, a, a good movie, Baby Driver, I thought it's kind of violent. Well, it's very violent, I guess. But <laughs> if you, <laughs> it's not like John Wick violent, but it's. It's definitely a violent movie, but it, it was pretty entertaining, I thought. Um, but that horse, what I like about it, it's had two starts. Both were routes. Both, it was really rank. Um, it it kind of ran green, did not like, you know, it was fighting a rider. Um, so if I had a horse like that, just in my mind, what would I want? I'd like to see them cut back in distance so they can let it run. They won't fight it. They're not trying to raid it. You know, let it run because it doesn't need to rate as much going shorter. And you want to see him put blinkers on, just maybe it'll get a little more focused. And so they did exactly what I would like to see them do. They put the blinkers on, they cut back in distance. Um, so now they can let this horse roll and hopefully, you know, it won't be fighting the rider. Um, and it's two races weren't bad. Um, it showed speed, got, um, but you know, it, it wasted a lot of energy, so it didn't finish real well. Um, so I think that's the kind of horse you could see big improvement in. Um, and then the other horse I was interested in, well, there's two others, but the second one was, uh, the six horse tappity tappity. Um, the reason I like that horse is, um, it's only had, uh, a few starts. Uh, it's only one on turf and that turf race was kind of a key race. The horses in that the winner came back and has won a stakes race since. That was down at Gulfstream. Uh, so I think, you know, and it's Mark Cassie, who's, you know, he always does well at Woodbine. It's really well-bred horse. Um, and uh, that was going a route of ground. Now it's, it's sprinting on turf for the first time. It sprinted on synth a couple times. Um, so I think it could run you know, a big race. It's also had a good workout. Um, and those races it's been in, it's, uh, you know, it's had some excuses in all its races. So to me, that's another horse where you could see some big improvement. And then the third horse, and then I'll shut up and let you talk is the two horse. This is strictly a, um, kind of a trainer angle. The horse didn't do much running in its debut race. But the trainer is really good, second off a layoff, and his horses usually improve a tremendous amount from their first start to the second start. And this horse is bred, it's a well-bred horse, and it's been working well since that first start. Um, you know, it's actually a really well-bred horse for the sprinting on the turf. So, you know, just off the trainer pattern, a second off a layoff, it could it could jump way up. So those were the three in that race that I I thought, and they're all three different kinds of angles. And that's what's nice about maiden races, where you've got some form, 
I don't like them so much when they're all first-time starters, but when you have a race like this on the turf or scent or dirt, and they've had most of the horses had one or two starts, you know, they're real fun races to handicap. And that's all. I'll turn it over to you, Scott. Okay. Well, uh, really interesting angles, and they're like one of the uh, formulator trainer patterns I want to look at, which I haven't had time to do. And I was trying to do it while you were talking, but I, I couldn't go fast enough. Uh, for that two magic in Malibu is how does that trainer do second out synthetic to turf? Um, I did note that the workouts were faster going into this race. So, so that's a reason to like that horse. Um, other horses that I'm interested in. Yeah. He's not really a big price, but ready and perfect. The three is probably an include in the race. Um, and Tappity Tappity was sort of the horse I liked the most. Did have a notably fastest five furlong work. Like when I say notably fast, it's much faster than it usually works out. So something happened, you know, right? Some light has turned on for this horse, at least based on that workout. And the mother was a major turf horse uh, named My Typhoon. Ran some big numbers, uh, even as a... Uh, as a three-year-old on turf and siblings were also good on the turf. So, so that's more fuel for the tappity tappity fire. Now let me see if there's anything else I had. Uh, Just one thing on the tappity tappity. Um, it also on the running lines, it, you know, it's race, it's first two races, you know, it made these middle moves at, at a little longer distance and then kind of tired at the end. So it might just be, you know, a sprinter, even though it's breeding would say it's a router, um, it may really like going a little bit shorter in here, just given the way it's, you know, it's the races where it's made a move and faded, or it might've just been a little short and needed the fitness. But either way, I think, you know, six and a half furlongs will, will help that horse's chances. Right. Absolutely. More likely to improve at this distance, I think. I would agree with you then uh, at another distance. Uh, another horse that I would absolutely use that's not a huge price, but I, ha and I haven't watched the race yet, but I'm going to watch it, is uh, the nine True Castle, who uh, had solid gateworks. And then uh, the, the only comment line is that there was uh, traffic. Um, so there was some traffic in this last race. I have to look at that race, but the trainer has been known to hit sec, uh, second out. And I still haven't watched the race, but I think it's six to one. No, it's 10 to one morning line. So so that's that's a horse to absolutely consider. I would also consider the 10 horse, Kajiji, who has run almost fast enough to win, but looks like it may improve today and carrying only 114 pounds so uh notably fastest five for a long work for it as well and these are three-year-olds so they're you know it's not surprising that they work out faster than they've ever worked out before but it's an absolute uh positive development and if so there's anything else that you like about the horse and it's working out faster than it's ever worked out before then give it some serious consideration especially when they're a price and Kijiji, well, Kijiji is only six to one morning line. So, uh, I'm not sure about that, but, uh, really interested in your pick of baby driver. I'm going to look maybe at those races 
the, those longer races where the horses rank, like you said. And, um, and then the other one, yeah, both the, the outside two horses, like it's almost an all race for me. And which, which is why I was suggesting that just kiss your money goodbye, <laughs> because the sequence is so deep that, uh, you know, to, to actually do it justice, to include all the horses that have a, a chance, uh, is probably unrealistic. So, so I would also include the, the two outside horses, Strike It Royal and, uh, and, and Akati Peace. That's not helping very much uh, to our, our listeners, but um, I will say that the, the, the horse that I would absolutely include that's a price is Tappity Tappity. That, that horse looks really good. Yeah, I would say Tappity Tappity and Baby Driver are the two I'd lean on. And Ready and Perfect is clearly, you know, a solid horse. So if I was playing horizontals, you know, those would be the three that I would look at. Magic and Malibu is a little more, you know, speculative. Uh, but I think that horse is going to improve. I just don't know, you know, how good it is. This is a tough race. Um, this is the kind of race I'm more interested usually in. And trying to, you know, I would like to key the six and the eleven and play exactas and maybe try to hit the try um, and some win bets as opposed to trying to, um, you know, play the pick four, pick five. And I, I'd be looking at the other races, adjacent races for double plays. You know, like if you could hit a, uh, you know, baby driver tappity tappity with. Uh, Piper's Warrior and Western Crusader in the doubles. You know, just play those. They're all four big prices. You catch that double, and you know that's you could hit a big score just on the double. Yeah. Now you understand why I have allocated the rest of today, Friday, to tackling this card because there are so many opportunities to bet and uh, p- potential price plays, and the double is a great opportunity. Another thing that should be noted about the double is that it's a very low takeout rate at Woodbine. Uh, their pick five takeout is 25%, which is pretty high. I mean, it's, it's, it's too high in my opinion, but it is what it is. Uh, it still could be a good bet. Uh, but the double is the best bet. And I think it's uh, under 16%. So, so look for those double opportunities. If if you're gonna if you're gonna navigate the the takeout issue uh, at any track, go you know focus most of your play on the uh, the pools where they're not gonna take out that much. Yeah, and the double. The thing I really like about the double, um, you do get the reduced takeout because sixteen percent, but um, you know compared to a parlay wager where you'd have to hit sixteen percent on each bet you're actually getting a lower takeout than 16 percent the double but what's nice about it is you see what you're going to get i mean you can look at the will pays or the you know projected double pays and and see what you're going to get um well once you get into pick threes and beyond not only are they harder to hit but you know you, you can't you don't know what you're going to get necessarily so you know the double is a good bet that I think gets underutilized in the in the era that we're at now, where everyone likes to play the pick four and pick five. Um, you know, daily double or the double um, used to be the daily double because there was only one. Typically, it was the first and second race. Um, 
is is a good thing to look at, especially in days like this where there's these wide open races with big fields, because you can get a big payout in the daily double. You know, you can get a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollar double um, uh, if you can catch a price in one of the two legs, um, and that's much more manageable than trying to hit the pick four or the pick five. Agree. And uh, two other things I'll point out about the double. Well, first of all. It's 15% at Woodbine, which is mad, mad, uh, mad low takeout. I mean, that's a great pay. That's a great. Uh, I know that editor on Public Handicapper, Illinois West, loves the double at Woodbine because it's 15%. Uh, and the win takeout is 14.95%. So those are the two best opportunities. But another thing to note about the double is that in these live money, live bankroll contests, usually you're allowed to play the double. And I can't tell you how many times top tourney guys like Paul Sherman have crushed with the double and Bill Sherman too. Um, I, you know, like all of a sudden I'll see their, their name on the leaderboard. They'll, they will jump from nowhere to third or even won a thing. And I say, Hey, what did you have? And even if it's, even if it's a double with a, a heavy favorite like Vasilika, uh, the the payoffs can still be really good because if you have Vasilika with an eight to one horse and you crush that double, it can be enough to propel you at the top of the leaderboard. So so uh, good advice to mm, consider the double a little bit more. Yeah, and like I said, you 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 do know what the prices are. And the other thing I like to do with the double is if I'm live to a couple of good price horses in the double. Then I can focus on maybe playing exactas, uh, both on top and underneath, because I don't need to play the horse to win because I'm already live. If he wins, I've already got a big score. So if I play exact on top, I could have a you know a, a crush score. And if I play the exact underneath, even if I don't hit the double, I can maybe make a good score with a long shot underneath. So it gives you some flexibility in how you play the race if you have a live double or multiple horses live in the double um with the kind of horses i play which typically are the, the higher price types it gives you some options um you know in the verticals if you're already live to the double so that's just another advantage of doing that yeah yet another contest tip which uh i think is great especially when you have you have a contest where you have to bet 200 dollars in five different races and you don't like anything until the, the seventh race of a 10 race card. Well, you can play a double from the sixth to the seventh and, and, and key your, the horse you like in the seventh and get one of those bets out of the way. And that counts as one of your five plays. And if you're, if you're live, as Chris said, uh, if you're live, then you don't necessarily have to put everything you have to win on that horse. You, you know what you've got going for you. So, uh, I think that's great contest strategy. So I think that we've been, we've been going on for a fair amount of time here, Chris, uh, you have any other comments before we wrap it up? No, I just encourage people. Woodbine's a great track to bet. I mean, they, they typically have good sized fields. Um, like you said, there's reasonable takeouts on most of the wagers, um, it, and there's a lot of uh, good pattern plays because of you know, the horses, many of them take the winter off. So when they come back in the spring and summer, 
there's lots of opportunities, you know, to look for different kinds of layoff patterns or first or second off the layoff. So, you know, I, I think it's a good track to play. I don't think as many people play it um, as should. Um, I've always enjoyed it and I've had success there. So, you know, take a look at this card. Um, but uh, and if you like what you see, uh, maybe give Woodbine a, a shot on a regular basis, because I think it's one of the tracks out there that are really worth playing. Yeah, and consider attending the Woodbine Mile Contest, which is a live bankroll. I think it's 3000 to buy in. It's September 14th. I will be there. I finished fourth last year. I love it. It's it's a great day. Um, great racing, great weather. The weather's always great that time of year uh, around Toronto. So that's something to consider. And that will wrap it up for this week's PH Podcast. So thanks for joining us. And may you crush the Queen's Plate Pick 5. Cheers. <laughs>